You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 150 called EdTech App Smashes, Templates, and Gamification Tools to Spark Creativity Within the Classroom. In this episode, we're excited to speak with master teacher and tech coach Dana Heller about some cool new App Smash ideas, our favorite templates for easily reproducible lessons, and some gamification tools and tricks. This is another episode you don't want to miss. Check it out. with episode century in one half crazy it's almost like harry potter there's something in three quarters i i'm guilty i haven't watched harry potter clearly there's a (laughs) i don't know that's one of the uh i don't know how that works is that like the i think it's the train platform they go to is like three quarters yeah we're embarrassing ourselves all right well it's fine we have have a guest today (laughs) we do have a guest we'll get we'll start it off uh maybe first with that we're here today with one of our favorite colleagues both as a teacher history teacher and as a tech coach who works now thank god alongside me to help supporting that role and alongside guys to help out in the media center as well Um, I'm, of course, talking about our guest today, Dana Heller. Dana, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. And like Nick said, I'm really excited that I get to take on this role this year after finishing my certification in the spring. It's kind of a new fresh air to kind of get me going. And um, I've been really enjoying working with you guys. So thanks for having me. Yeah. And we're, we're super excited to not only be working with you now in these roles, but to have you on the show because this is, this is a natural fit. Dana is um, an expert in all things tech and teaching. And I think she's going to have some great stuff to bring to the, our episode here. All right. So let me really paint the picture here. Sure. I mean, that was a great introduction of <laughs> Dana and everything, but all right. So everyone knows Nick is the organized one. Mm. Well, I think he might have met not, his maker. Yeah, not anymore. Right, so he, he's he's the mid guy in the right. group, and uh, you know we also need someone that has as many ideas on a whim as me, and that might be Dana as well. So she might be, uh, you know, teaching the teacher here very very shortly. It sounds like, like a good mix. I feel yeah. like a blend of. Well, I was going to say, it sounds like me and you are going to be fired soon because Dana can just do it all anyway. No, no, I'm good. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's, you know, that's what we got for you today. We said we wanted to get a, a guest for episode 150, and, and we, we got a great one for that. We're going to split this up into three segments overall. The first one is some ed tech we're excited about in general. That's going to include some really cool app smashes. Second segment is all about templates, templates, templates. Of course, the whole idea there being some things that are going to make your lesson planning a little bit easier in uh, getting to use these templates. Of course, our show notes will have uh, links to all this stuff, and then we're going to wrap it up with gamification tools. I'm going to, when we get to segment three, I'm going to embarrass myself with a, uh, a brand new admission that I've never shared before. It's going to be great, so stick around for that. We do have to decide who's going to kick off segment one, though. Do you want to do your stuff first? Yeah, I could do mine. That's not a problem. Sure. Uh, I did paper, rock, scissors. It's paper, <laughs> rock, scissors, not this rock, paper, scissors <laughs> stuff anyway. That, that's a side beef that I have with Nick, but uh, I won. 
So I'm going to go first. I'm sure. I'd like to go first. Here. All right. All right. So I have talked about Diffit before, and I have talked about Moat before. If you don't know what Diffit is, it's a new AI tool that allows you to bring resources, leveled resources, to your students. Uh, it's, it's really a one-stop shop for like a do now or a exit ticket or just making up a lesson plan when you have to be out in a hurry. Uh, so check out Diffit. So if you go over to the Diffit site and you put in any topic, I put in photosynthesis for mine because uh, that's the topic that we're about ready to cover. And when I put that in there, it gives me a leveled reading depending on what level I said. And I said ninth grade. And then it's going to automatically kick out a reading, some multiple choice questions, some vocab words, uh, some some like deeper thinking questions that students can do. And then after that, you can export it. You can export it to a Google form where it will show up all the multiple choice questions and resources, or you can export it to a Google Doc. And new, you can export it to uh, Google Slides. So there are several different ways to export it, but now they're also in Google Slides, putting them into uh, these different layouts. So whether it's interactive slides, there's a Freyer model, vocabulary interactive slide. The one that I used for my class was claims, evidence, and reasoning. All right, so what you do is you just hit click open with Google Slides. Uh, it's going to ask you to link up your Google account, which I'm more than happy to do for this reason. And then it's going to generate your Google Slides. So I told you that I app smashed Diffit with Moat. Now Moat is a feedback tool. Uh, what it does is it records your voice and it will allow you to provide feedback to your students very easily uh, just by hitting a couple of buttons. So. Um, what I did is I had a claims evidence reasoning activity with photosynthesis. So they have all the background stuff that they need. And then I just attached another resource when I got in there. It was of a graph that has to do with photosynthesis. And basically what they're going to have to do is work through all the resources and that graph. And I did a video as well and they're going to have to come up with their own cl claim evidence reasoning to a certain question. But instead of uh, typing it out in paragraph form, I made them make a slide in Google Slides um, that has the claim, the evidence, the reasoning, everything right there. And it shows the claim, they type that out, the evidence are the graphs that they made or they used that I gave them. And then their reasoning was a moat. Um, so what they were able to use moat to attach it to that Google slide to serve as their explanation or their reasoning in the claim evidence reasoning. And the reason why I like that is because when I go to grade, I don't want to grade 30 of the same things. All right. If I could hear someone, that's at least a different, I mean, I, this is me being guilty. I'm very guilty here because I didn't want to read all these things at the end of the marking period. Instead, I wanted to hear their voice and I wanted to hear what they had to say. So they uh, got all the leveled resources. I provided two additional resources and there's a template there for claims evidence reasoning that they had to fill out. 
and they used Moat to kind of explain their slide after they created their slide. All right, it took a total of one and a half periods, or at least that's what I have it in my mind taking one and a half periods, but I'm super excited about it because I think they're really gonna enjoy changing it up a little bit. I'm gonna app smash your app smash, which is, and I, maybe I don't, you'll have to tell me if Moat would work this way, but you could take the resources that Diffit provides and like and one of those I'll just throw out there is the it'll automatically select vocabulary words from the reading and it gives you those words along with their definitions. You could essentially annotate those vocab words with moats for the students who not only want to be able to read those vocab words and definitions, but want to listen to someone speak like like read them aloud basically. So if I'm a student opening up Let's say you did the Google Doc version. I know you were talking about exporting to slides from Diffit, but from Diffit you can also export to Google Docs. Um, you could use Moat to leave an audio recording of, of you saying the definition so they could click that and hear you speak it out, which might be better for their learning style. Would that be possible with Moat? Yeah, that's possible. All right, so that's one of them. I got another one too, uh, just as you were talking. Uh, throw ScreenPal in there. ScreenPal, the extension that is like the moat of videos, right? So you can uh, not, you're not just embedding audio, but you can actually embed these little video clips right in the Google Doc. Why not throw that in there too as like another way to bring this to the next level? Maybe the, the students are recording their own videos and dropping them in, or maybe you, the teacher, are uh, sort of pre-recording some videos for, for them to share too. I think today so many teachers are afraid of students cheating or using AI to show and demonstrate their content. So getting the kids to talk or teach content is really a good way of kind of avoiding that and also just making sure that you're checking to under, that they understand everything that you're learning. So Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent point and that's a, a great app smash that so could go like a thousand different directions. I'm going to jump into mine, which is the combination of two things. and. Um, I'm a little embarrassed because I'm realizing now I stole this one from you last week when you shared it. I'm talking about Canva Speed Paint. Um, do I have that name correct? I think so, and steal away. All right, so it's, it's, it's... I stole it from someone else and showed it to you guys, so you're good. All right, beautiful. We're all just stealing each other's ideas. But this is, this is really great. It's, um, it's an app, and if you didn't know that, when you were in Canva, you have way more than just the typical Canva tools, which are text boxes, elements like pictures and stuff, um, and then you know a couple other basics like drawing tools. If you scroll to the bottom of that list of tools, you have literally hundreds of other things, usually produced by third parties, but then that integrate with Canva. You have to search for them, and this one you can search for by name. It's called Canva Speed Paint. And what it does is really super cool. It'll take any image file. So you can actually create something in Canva. You have to download it first onto your computer so that it it's, exists on your, your desktop or your Google Drive. But then when you click on Canva Speed Paint, it's gonna upload that image file. And I, I tested it with a PNG. I'm not sure if other file types will work as well, but PNGs definitely will. You upload it and it automatically I call it um, drawifying because it takes that image, it turns it into a drawing, but it also creates a video that shows, like, you know, from start to finish, a cartoon pencil 
actually drawing out the drawing that used to be the image you created. It's really, really cool. Uh, my idea is just that what a great way to add interest to images that you are using. You know, I have the very boring example of in a slides presentation, but just anytime you're putting a picture in anything at all, if you wanted to make it a little more visually interesting, you could do this. Uh, for example, earlier today, I was showing some images of molecules and just to spice it up, I used canvas speed paint on these images. And now I had, um, you know, pictures of these molecules being drawn out from scratch. I embedded those. Uh, I think I downloaded them as GIFs. So this kind of went on repeat, but I had those uh, embedded in my slide deck and it looked great. You could tie that in with all, all sorts of places. Um, you know, if you're doing a, a quizzes quiz, you could, in, you know, have them linked there for people. So many, so many cool uses of this. Mostly I just wanted to share Canva speed paint because I think, I think the types of people who listen to this show are going to find lots of, of great uses for that one. So check it out. We're going to kick it over to Dana for the EdTech you're excited about. So I think after COVID, a lot of teachers started to look at the flipped classroom a little bit differently. So I know one thing that we used at our district was Edpuzzle a lot more after COVID. And Edpuzzle recently has pushed out a live mode, which to me is pretty cool because it's like, you kind of think of it as a live video guide. So in the past, you may just be streaming a video and then the kids are either paying attention, filling out a paper copy or falling asleep in the back of the room. So now this is allowing you to stream a video at the front of the room and it will just stop throughout the class and ask, um, ask the kids questions and then they can respond to it, almost like a quizzes or a Kahoot type question. And so it also allows you to track the data, answers, it gives you kind of talking points throughout a video. So I've used this a couple times and I think the students just kind of like the change of pace than just like a boring video guide. And it's a way for you to kind of think about how you're presenting the information. And then the students can also watch it at home, which is helpful. So it's not just a, a one-stop shop. Yeah, the, the one thing I really love about this is I feel like oftentimes, sometimes teachers are guilty of just playing this long video and not stopping for those teachable moments. And I believe a couple episodes I went on a total soapbox moment where I was getting very uh, feisty about this conversation. <laughs> so this is a great solution to kind of missing those teachable moments and, and shedding light on it, even if you're just using Edpuzzle to stop the video. Like, if there's no question there, that's okay. But maybe that's a little reminder that you'll need to uh, just stop and, and use that as a teachable moment and really go over what they're they're looking at. I just feel, and maybe I'm just sensitive to this because I know as a science teacher, like kids don't see the connections from the lab to the content often, especially uh, some of the lower level students uh, and the college prep level students, they don't see the connection. And I think the same thing goes when you play certain videos in the classroom, There's, those connections are not being made. So just being able to slow down reflect on what they've seen a little bit will allow you to take it to the next level. Yeah, and I'll give a, a more selfish reason to, to use this. There's a lot of videos that I show one year to the next and almost invariably I'm, I forget about a certain thing 
that I wanna mention. I did it last year and oh man, I forgot to do it this year. If I take those videos and set it up in Edpuzzle, I, you can timestamp all of those moments so that going into that, that lesson in each consecutive year, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I already know all these little stopping points are marked out for me, so I don't have to like rewatch it myself beforehand to make sure that I'm prepared. It's just like, it's done already in Edpuzzle, just, just waiting for a year from now when I do it again. And a lot of times when you just stop a film, you ask the class to give an answer. Right. One kid answers, or you know, again, a couple kids are sleeping in the back or maybe not paying attention. This is forcing every kid to pay attention because every kid has to answer the question. You have data that is going to then show which kids were paying attention during the video. So I think it's just engaging them more. And like you said, oh, a lot of kids think video day, this is a day I don't have to do anything. I can kind of sit back, but this is a way to engage them in that content, which maybe in the past we haven't been able to. Love it. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, so next up, we're going to get into uh, to the templates that we have selected. We've got a couple Canva things. We've got a non-Canva thing. Um, all of them are excellent. I'll do mine first this time. This is um, a template that actually I put together myself that is replicating the, um, this, this thing that happens typically in science classes, although maybe other classes as well, where there's groups of students around the room and they have miniature whiteboards, physical whiteboards, where they're writing with dry erase markers on these little mini whiteboards, usually to work out a solution to a problem or jot some thoughts down. And then the teacher conducts the, the lesson by asking each group at a time to, to share what they have. And because it's a physically manipulatable whiteboard, they can hold it up as they talk about their work. Very, very helpful and useful. You can replicate that digitally with, well, there's a lot of tools that will do this. Many of them we've shared before on the podcast. Um, and my new favorite one is Canva whiteboards. They're, it's literally kind of that. A Canva whiteboard is like an infinite space. Um, there's no, no edge to it, right? You can zoom out as much as you want or in as much as you want to uh, and, and just add all those typical Canva elements. It, it's a whiteboard, but within Canva. Uh, so in this template, if you click on it, you're going to open it up and you'll see a series of, of rectangles that are embedded to the page. And that's one of the cool things about it. You can take certain elements of the design and lock them in place. That means when somebody moves their cursor or clicks on that, they're not gonna be able to move it around. So it's not gonna get messed up as your class joins this design because the whole idea is your whole class joins, so I've got 24 people all in editing this design at once. Um, but the these shapes, these rectangle border shapes are designed so that if you are one particular student, you're just gonna zoom in on one of those shapes and that one shape is your digital whiteboard. You can do all your work on there. If you've got a touch screen, you can write with your finger and be do essentially doing you know, handwriting directly in that space. Um, and each kid is only looking at what they're writing. They could, in theory, pan around and look at what other students are writing too, which would be honestly great. Like, what a cool learning experience. From the teacher's perspective, you can do the same. You can sort of zoom from one spot to the next and look at what the kids are writing from your own computer. You could also walk around the room if you prefer. It's kind of like whatever you want. 
What I really like about it is when time is up, uh, as the teacher, if I'm the one presenting my screen or projecting my screen, I can show the different work from these groups by zooming in on one rectangle at a time, and now the whole class on the, you know, on the projector can see what, those, what that particular group has written while they talk about it and share it with the class. It's, um, it's a solution to not necessarily a, a problem, but just maybe another option to change up these, these, uh, these whiteboards. So I think it's a good one. Remember, head to the show notes. You'll find a link there that will give you your very own copy of this Canva template if you want to check it out. I will tell you I'm very excited to use that. And for all the teachers out there that are hearing that Jamboard is going away, October 2024, that is correct. And I think this right here is a great alternative to Jamboard. I actually like it a lot better because they have a lot more tools and a lot more editing capabilities and they could really make it look awesome. So I really like that one. I'll get into mine right now. I also followed the Canva train for this one and I wanted to gamify my classroom because everyone knows that I like to gamify it. So I'm thinking station rotation, blended learning, and each station is going to be a different little fun almost like a i don't know icebreaker i guess activity type it's just like a very short game all right so my first one is this or that and i give them two topics um it might just be the same topic it might be uh all within energy whether it's uh, mountaintop mining or fracking and they gotta try to tell me which one is better or worse um, in terms of the environment and I might put a resource there that gives them backgrounds on both of them the pros and cons and they have to filter through that and then try to come up with uh, which one is you know better or worse my next one's two facts and a lie since you can't go the other way around uh, and in this one there are three topics you have a spot to put three different pictures and then uh, there's a question or which one of these, uh, you know, is a truth or a fact and, and which one is the lie. And they have to try to guess and put reasoning behind what they think. Uh, going to the third station, I know I'm big on, uh, on fracking in this one because this is a topic that's coming up. It's what do you think about this? And I have a picture of hydraulic frac uh, fracking. And what they'll have to do is, you know, come up with the limitations of this process or, or the questionable aspects of this process. Also list the pros because for every con that you hear, there are pros. There's, there's financial pros to that. Um, so that's another one that you would go look at. The next one is the top five answers on the board. Uh, so I just put, this is more like your family feud type thing. After surveying 100 scientists, uh, these are the top five responses. And then what they would have to do is put those in, try to guess what those five are and put them in an envelope. And at the end, whoever gets the most, you know, gets the point for that station. Uh, the next one is, would you rather? I like this one kind of be like the, the icebreaker of this whole activity. Would you rather do this or would you rather do that? There's no right or wrong answer. It's just to get them thinking scientifically. So that would be a, more of a process question. 
And then my last one is knock knock who's there. So you put a picture of a scientist there and then you have your descriptions on the right. So maybe it's the contributions to science. They have to match them up and predict. So I wouldn't use this to check what they know after the fact. I would use this to see what they know about the person before we study them. Uh, just so we could get some uh, conversation and later on when we do talk about them they'll be able to remember some of those choices and kind of link them up to the picture. I don't really have anything to add to that because that's that's an action-packed series however uh, for our final segment when we get there I know we're not there yet just I'm, I'm putting a pin in this moment right now because the thing I was going to talk about for segment three is going to tie in with your knock knock who's there template uh, almost perfectly like we planned it, which I can assure everybody we did not because our planning, is, as, as always, is extremely minimal here. This is just totally worked out crazy awesome. You said putting scientist pictures in those little image boxes, right? Mm -hmm. All right, remember that one, everybody. That means, Dana, you're up for your template. Um, and actually, I've been trying to put together, and I haven't finalized one, but like a guess who template. So that kind of is the same thing for history, right, right. in terms of um, having the kids try to describe a person and then having them pick it. So I think that would fit with that. Going with the guess who, you could easily use moat to uh, kind of give the descriptions of each person in that guess who. I've been thinking about that Ooh. as well. Wow. As well. So take your – I know you have a little binder – uh, template so you made it in Canva I'm pretty sure and it's portfolio I should mm -hmm. say and each student got an avatar and when you click on the avatar it takes them to their their portfolio it's really really cool you should put that in the show notes but um, I'm thinking use that as your guess who those mm -hmm. avatars and then use uh, moat to provide descriptions that people can listen to yeah, that's a good study study uh, strategy. I know with my kids right now, they're trying to study for their quarterly. It's the first time they've taken this type of exam. So having that in one spot that they can just go back and review, whether they're hearing it from me or their classmates, I think that could be really helpful. Um, so my template, it's not something I created, but it's one of my favorite places to go. So people may have heard of it before. It's flippity.net. Um, Eric and I have been putting together some escape the rooms for probably what? I don't know. Before COVID, so it's got to be it's probably about ten years. Ten now. years. Um, but the Flippity has a lot of different templates, from bingo to random names generator, group generator. But I've been using a lot this year the Flippity virtual breakout room, and I think it's pretty cool because a lot of times you cannot physically create escape the rooms just due to money locks are expensive boxes are expensive um, and so or you just might not have room to do a physical escape the room so the virtual breakout room is pretty cool because it actually is unlocking locks so the kids will see the lock open um, there's a lot of different things you can put in it is a google sheet so if you're not necessarily familiar with the formulas they do a really good job in the directions of helping you through that but because i personally am not a google sheet formula type of person but i was still able to follow and put images and videos in but again i think it's a pretty cool a visual for the kids as they're going through all of the different locks. It allows you to put in clues and then hints, and then the kids are able to type in their answers. I think it's up to eight different locks you can have. So it's just a, another version. Um, I use it for fit with 
physical escape the room stuff. So the kids have envelopes and papers that they're using to solve it, but then they're unlocking it on the Chromebook. So it's not all digital, because I think you still need a little bit of a mix for an escape the room. But it's a pretty cool template. Um, if you haven't checked out flippity.net, I would go on there and see some of the other resources, because they have a lot of templates that might help you out. Yeah, so Flippity is one of my favorite spots to go. I, I know I like the one that looks like four prices, right? Wheels put together and uh, each wheel you can have different words on you can use those in different ways but with the escape the rooms the the whole tangibles piece is very important i find that those are what makes the escape the room more enjoyable all digital is okay if you have limitations uh the you know the limitations of that is if someone does not like to use the computer they're not getting a lot out of it and then, as you said, it's very expensive to do the physical ones. But if you can print things out, pictures and things like that, and laminate those so you can keep them year after year, and the only thing that you have online are the locks, I think that's a beautiful thing because it's like the it's the best of both worlds. You still have the tangible things, but they're still getting the lock experience. Yeah. We've used Google Forms before for locks, but I think, again, the visual of the lock actually opening um, is, is just something for all levels of kids. So, And that's going to bring up our third segment, which is gamification tools. Mine are super simple, but I'm going to tell you this right now. This past summer, we had daddy... Uh, daddy school time that's what we called it daddy school time so I have three kids they're now two four and er, I'm sorry four six and eight <laughs> two I don't want to go back to the twos but I kind of do I'm living uh, that yeah you don't want to <laughs> it's brutal uh, but yeah we have uh, four a new six-year-old as of two days ago and an eight-year-old so we had daddy school over the summer I tried to pick fun topics that uh, we could do and based on what they accomplished in that day uh, they got points and instead of giving them points for answering questions or doing a task what they got was spins or uh, a certain number of picks or whatever it may be but basically everything was digital uh, my one son is big into crane games he loves crane games so when we go to an arcade I'm not getting out there without spending ten twenty dollars until you win something so there's a digital crane picker so dana's playing it right now <laughs> has awesome sound effects uh but the digital crane picker what you could do is you set the point values my point values were like ridiculous points and they had to get a ridiculous number of points to get a prize kind of like the arcades around here sometimes when they pull it out it, it was a special so there were a hundred different pools before they would they would have a one percent chance of getting like, let's go out for ice cream or let's go uh, play frisbee golf in the park or whatever it may be. I had these uh, posters that I ordered. They're very cheap, but they're very into Pokemon. Uh, so I had posters which I ordered, which they could win. Things like that, instant prizes. So I use it as a reward system. And uh, the crane game one was definitely a favorite. The another one was a scratch off, digital scratch off. So they waved the mouse back and forth and then they got points. But if you wanted to wake up and choose violence that day, like my middle child <laughs> usually does, 
And, uh, you know, Nick knows the middle child because he's the godfather of the middle child. And he knows how uh, spunky he is. Uh, he likes whack-a-mole. So you whack them all digitally, and it gives you a certain number of points. All these three name clickers can be found in the show notes and can be found at the website. I think it's called Random Name Pickers. And there's a whole bunch more there. It's not just these three, but these are our favorites. All right. That's awesome. By, by the way, I have his birthday gift sitting on my counter at home. I just keep forgetting to bring it in. One, There's two. One gift embraces the violence. Another gift does not. Just to meet everybody's needs there, I think uh, both his parents uh, and and him will be happy with my choices. So I will tell you this. Nick does get very thoughtful gifts. Usually they're science-related. Um, and I threatened his life if he ever got him a <laughs> drum set. Like, he keeps, uh, you know, telling me that he's going to. It's happening sooner or later. My but, question um, is, how much does it cost to go to Camp Geist next summer? I got three kids, though. <laughs> I can maybe three, go take three, a couple days. Three kids, it goes up exponentially. You don't get any discounts for no. more kids coming okay. over. Unaffordable. Yes. Um, all right, so I'm going to do mine. This is quick. It, uh, there's a really excellent, excellent, amazing AI site for teachers called magicschool.ai. I don't want to get into it too much because we could spend an entire episode in there. Um, but check it out for sure. I'm going to feature one particularly uh, cool thing from that when it comes to gamification tools, which is they have a, a something called Colleague Song Generator. Um, this is supposed to be for fun. Most of the things are a little bit more practical and useful, but this one is, is just a fun, funny thing where you put in somebody's name. So, you know, I could type in Mr. Johnson. You can type in details about that person, such as activities they're involved in, what they coach, their awards, just things they like, and then any song you want. Uh, their, uh, their example is Taylor Swift, Cruel Summer, um, but literally you type it in there and it takes that song and the real lyrics and creates new lyrics with the things about that person that you have typed in. By itself, pretty cool. What does this have to do with gamification? You can do this for anything or anyone. So I typed in, instead of a colleague's name, I typed in Thomas Edison. Under details, I listed out some stuff that Thomas Edison is known for, good and bad. And then I picked um, Back in Black by ACDC, and it gave me this version of Back in Black with this information about Thomas Edison and his name sort of built in there. The gamification piece comes in with whatever I choose to do with that. I would copy paste the lyrics, um, delete anywhere it says Thomas Edison, and then have the students try to guess who the song is about. So if you did recall earlier, and I know Dana and I are looking at each other like, <laughs> when is he going to get into this? All right, I kind of see how it fits in with my templates, but you said that you were going to admit something at the end of the episode. And I totally expect him to come out and tell us all that he's a Swifty right now. <laughs> Is that what you thought was happening? Is that what's happening? That's not what's happening. I was going to say, I don't, I don't know the song Cruel Summer. It's just what they had listed there. No, my admission is going to come with, with Dana's gamification tool. So maybe let's just jump into that. 
and then I can share what I need to share. Well, I love the tool that you just shared because yeah. I'm actually doing for those AP world people out there, um, autopsy of an empire is something that most AP world teachers know about. And so we're just doing that this week. So I think I might try to incorporate that where the kids are putting in the vocab words that I gave them for each of their empires and maybe they can create a song for it and that might be a cool way of tying together the projects that they're working on so thanks for sharing that one um, so quizzes we've been spending a lot of time here at Hopewell looking at that and we did we did a PD last week with our staff and my kids I think might be sick of using it because I've really been trying to give them a lot of resources to study for all of their quizzes but um, Mastery Peak is really cool when you want to allow students some autonomy in terms of how they're working, but also being able to monitor and collect that data. So Mastery Peak, you must make a quiz. So if you're familiar with quizzes, it's not a lesson, but you have to use uh, the quiz component. And you can post it up on the board and watch the students as they climb this mountain and they have questions to answer. If they get questions wrong, it automatically generates new questions for them. It also has some fun game breakers. So as they're moving up the mountain, they kind of meet obstacles that they have to kind of stop and play a quick game um, and gather points and tokens. So it's just an easy way for you to allow students to work at their own pace, collect that data to kind of check where they are, um, and also just allow them to see maybe where they fall as a, as a class. So it's something I've used the Mastery Peak once. I've worked with a couple other staff members who have played it with their kids, and they really like it. So it's something that I'm going to continue to use. But I think, Nick, have you used it? I know you were the one that first kind of got me hooked on it. Well, that's it's funny. That's kind of what I was going to share. It's not nearly as exciting as telling everyone that I'm a Taylor Swift <laughs> fan. But um, for all that we talk about quizzes and push quizzes, I've never one time used quizzes ever uh, in a classroom until today, like literally 20 minutes before I walked in here to record this episode was the first time I've used it. And that's because I've, I used Kahoot one time and I, this is years back and I hated it. It was a waste of time. There's so much pressure and the kids trying to answer. They didn't like it. It was like, I was like, this is the biggest waste of time. Why would anybody do this in their, in their classrooms? I just thought it was a dumb gimmick. Um, and today I tried Mastery Peak quizzes and it was like the complete opposite and one of the best things I've ever done because the pressure's gone, right? There's no, oh my God, there's the one question that's on the board and I've only got 30 seconds to answer it. They're all working at their own pace. They're climbing this mountain. So there's this fun element. There's still some competition for those kids that, that care because they can see who's in first place. For the kids that don't care, they don't have to care because they're just they're doing their own thing and working at their own pace. So despite being someone who pushes quizzes all the time, I was not a quizzes user, but now I am because because this one uh, this mastery peak is for me. And that's always been the benefit of quizzes. If you don't know, is there's all these different ways you can push it out. If you like Kahoot, you can do that style game. You could do the independent style game. You can even push them uh, basically out as homework assignments if you like that. So yeah, that's my admission. Um, and you're a Swifty. <laughs> sure, let's just say I'm also a Swifty. 
Alright, so that right there, that admission is going to end this episode. So, if you liked what you heard today, make sure you come uh, find us on any podcast player. You can check out our YouTube channel. You can go over to our website, which will give you links to everything that we do. That's over at GodTech.com. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. Uh, Our Twitter handles are... At Nick Got Teched, at Guys Got Teched, and our podcast is at We Got Teched. We'll make sure to put Dana's in the show notes. Dana, do you have a Twitter handle? I do not. She does not, but she will soon. <laughs> uh, we'll make sure that we get that in there. Uh, it's one of the, my favorite ways of... Notice I'm saying Twitter and not the X. I don't like the X. We've already shared our opinions on yeah. that. Yeah, but uh, anyway... We only do so much social media right now, so... Yeah. Do you have an Instagram I do, but it's my personal one, so. All right, we've got to get you something uh, <laughs> professional. Uh, you'll want to definitely uh, link up with Dana and, and follow some of the stuff she's doing. She's very uh, creative in a lot of things, all things ed tech and just general in the room. So make sure you check us out. Go app smash. Tell us some of your app smashes. Go use some templates. And finally, go gamify your classroom. We're big fans of that. Until next time. <laughs>